Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Another amazing episode coming at you right now. Jamie Wagner, good to see you. John Shirky, you didn't introduce yourself. Everybody, that's John Shirky. He's your host. Um, it's good to see you as well. Uh, this opportunity never ceases to amaze me. I, I told our guest this after we interviewed her that I didn't know anything about what she does, this sport called ski mountaineering or schemo, if you're in the know. I knew nothing about it until I got an email that said she was going to be on the podcast from you. And then I like, I spent, I did a me thing and I kind of nerded out on it and it's pretty incredible, you know? Um, well, I only knew a little bit about it, Jamie, because I used to live in Colorado. I have a, a, a an adjacent understanding of what the sport is, but when I saw what she was attempting to do, which was break a world record, and I was just compelled to, to reach out to her and say, hey, I want to talk to you about this because this is what we are about is having conversations with people that are willing to push themselves to the limit and figure out, you know, where they fall after that. Well, and the crazy part about it is she's 19, right? She's a 19 year old that said, I'm going to, I'm going to do this big audacious thing that is go and chase a world record. Um, and yeah, didn't get there, fell a little bit short, but as she mentions in the conversation, like what an incredible journey, you know, what an incredible opportunity to do this thing, to take that risk, to, to see that thing at up close and personal and know I pushed myself to that limit. And I'm grateful I did, even though it might mean a few days on the couch and not being able to eat and things like that. <laughs> So we, we got an opportunity to talk with Grace Stayberg today, U.S. national schemo team, competes all over the world. She attempted to break a 24-hour record, Jamie, where she was skiing up and down a mountain for 24 hours straight to see how many vertical feet she could cover in, in that, that period. What, you talk about an incredible goal. Like, that's insane. 58,000 feet roughly was what she was aiming to do. That's Everest twice, right? I mean, when we think about it like that, um, in 24, in 24 hours. hours, yeah. Ski up Everest twice in 24 hours. Now, admittedly altitudes different and all those things and the conditions are different, but I don't care who you are. Um, an incredible thing to chase and, um, well, but you see, you say altitude's different, but it, actually we didn't even ask her about this, but one of the things that she talked about in some of the media coverage was that she wanted to do it in her hometown. Yeah. Like she could have done it at a lower elevation and maybe broken the record yeah. because, you know, there was an impact on her ability to perform at a higher altitude because she attempted at Copper Mountain, which in, in Colorado, which is pretty high comparatively to what other records have been set at. But Again, we're going to get into the community part of it, the accountability. What an impressive young woman. Um, I don't know. You got anything else? Otherwise, this is just an incredible conversation. No, I'm I, incredibly grateful she joined us, obviously, and as I am with all of our guests. Um, but to learn about something new is like, just gives me excitement. And if you're just completely clueless about what we're talking about go check it out because it's sweet so 
Grace Stayberg. Grace, welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset podcast. Both Jamie and I are uh, beyond excited to have this conversation with you today. He told you right before we hit record that we've spent the last few days being inspired by you and the accomplishments that you've taken on and attempted and not always accomplished, but the way that you've responded to all of those things. Grace, sorry, I, I'm just talking. I told you I talked too much. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So recently you attempted to break a world record um, in the vertical ascent um, over the course of 24 hours, I believe you, yeah. you climbed 56,000 feet. Um, Jamie, let's go back. Let's get a little foundation <laughs> of what sure. that even. Grace, tell us, tell us your, your sport that you're the, this one that you were competing in trying to break this record. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the sport of ski mountaineering, or I think it's probably more appropriately called ski, ski mo racing, ski mountaineering, I think is generally associated a bit more with like big objectives, um, and big peaks. Um, so yeah, essentially it's like backcountry touring on, on steroids. You put skins on your skis and you ascend and then descend as quickly as you quickly as you can. So, um, yeah, it's a great mix of like endurance sports, like running or cycling and downhill skiing, which I think we can all agree is, is pretty fun. So I, I told you, I lived in Summit County for a few years and I actually have a skin set up and I actually just got a new one because I wasn't fast enough, which has nothing to do with my setup more, or my <laughs> lack of cardio and technique. But, um, for, for those of you out there, when she says skins, I, I describe it to my family, Grace, as skiing uphill. And they look at me and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you doing? Why would anyone decide that I'm going to, instead of go the easy way down this mountain, that there are things that take me to the top and then I come down. Why would someone in their right mind decide they're going to try to climb up a ski up a mountain? Yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely think sports like schema, or I think you could compare it to like ultra running or endurance cycling, even, I think you definitely have to have a little bit, I don't know, we maybe all are all a little bit off somehow. Um, <laughs> and we find joy in the, in the suffering, but I also think it does like, I mean, at least personally, I think it allows me to see things that I would otherwise never, never see like for example, the sunrise in the morning at the ski resort, if you're skiing lifts, you would never have the opportunity to, to see that. And I think those like really cold, beautiful winter mornings have become one of my favorite things that I just had never, never experienced before. Um, so I do think that even though there is a lot of like hard work involved, there's also a lot of just like really beautiful views and really fun skiing. Let's, let's clarify for a second. You said there's a lot of hard work involved. Like this is what you do is a little bit of insanity. Can we be, can we admit this? I think we could admit that. Yes. I think you have to have some, yeah, some affinity for suffering. I love that you say that because you know, I have coached some running and our listeners know that. And, and I really have an affinity for runners generally, because I think there is this thing where it's, 
I, I'm okay with feeling terrible right now. What do you do in those moments when you get to that brink of, I don't know that I can continue what, I mean, part of it is you've just trained it. You've trained that limit so frequently. You're like, I can go through this, but when it's really hard, where do you go? Yeah. Um, I think honestly, normally I just start imagining the end. I think I have maybe been doing it for long enough now that I know that at the end, I'm going to be really satisfied and I'm going to be really happy that I finished. Um, so I think going to that place and like imagining that satisfaction really helps me to helps me to get through. Um, yeah, I would say that's the biggest thing. I think I don't necessarily go to like a, a happy place per se, but I think imagining the end. Um, yeah. Or like if it's really hard, like in races, sometimes I imagine like collapsing at the end and I just start to like really fixate on being able to lie down on the snow. And sometimes that helps if it's, if it's getting really painful. <laughs> That's incredible. How did you, how did you find out that you could do this? Like what, where did this journey begin? We talk a lot about eyes up at eyes up mindset about this thing being a journey and a process and like loving the process. Where does your journey into schemo and endurance events? Cause you run ultras also, right? You run ultra marathons. I do. Like, yeah. Yeah. Again, how does this start? Yeah. Um, so I know we said we were maybe going to talk about this, maybe not, but now it's very relevant. So yeah. I had struggled with an eating disorder in middle school. Um, I was running cross country. Um, and that was kind of like my what had triggered that originally. And so when I was in recovery from my eating disorder, um, running, I really wanted to get back to running, but it seemed like it maybe wasn't like the healthiest reintroduction into sport. Um, and so I had looked into like Nordic skiing, or I wanted something that was a little bit more endurance based because I had been doing big mountain, um, that year. And I just am not courageous enough to like huck it off of big cliffs. And so it wasn't the best fit. Um, and I am really good friends with a bunch of Nordic skiers, but there's just so much like skill and technique involved. And I was already in high school. So I was worried that I wouldn't be able to pick up on it fast enough. Um, and the, the coach who had been coaching me in running before, um, was starting a youth, a youth schemo program. So I signed up, like not knowing what the sport was. I was one of those people who was like, what is skiing uphill? What is a skin? What is like, what is a touring ski? I had no idea what any of it was. Um, yeah, so that was, that was kind of where it started for me. And the first year I definitely was not fast. I definitely was not in good shape. Um, that year there were a lot of really painful days, uh, trying to get into shape. Um, yeah, so that was, that was kind of where it all started for me. And then, yeah, just continued from there the next few years. So I, that's a relatively humble start, I would say, to where you are now. And so at what point did you know, boy, I might be pretty good at this, or I, this might be something that I want to devote kind of my, all my effort into being the best that I can be? Yeah. Um, I would say like, so the first half of the first year, I think I had no aspirations whatsoever. Like I would get dropped in the warm up. I could not, yeah, I like couldn't even keep up when the rest of my team was going super easy. So 
I think for the first half of the first year, I didn't even want to win like a local, a local race. Um, and then later on that year, I ended up winning, um, like a, a more regional level race, I guess. So I think that race was probably where I was like, Oh, maybe I could be okay at this. Um, but I didn't really start like sacrificing much, um, until I went to world championships two years later. Um, and I got, I think seventh place, ninth place and something in the teens, like 13th or something, which wasn't great, but that was kind of what like lit a, lit a fire under me to see what I could do on a really competitive level. So it definitely took a few years of like building, building a base and yeah, just being patient with that. I'm curious. I, I've been, I'd come out to visit John a few times when he lived out in summit. And, um, you know, I know that he worked with some athletes that are doing incredible things in ski and snowboard and just these amazing young people that push the boundaries of possible regularly. How do you think you talked about like going to the world championships and seeing that something was possible, right? I can go in place, mm-hmm. you know, at a pretty high level. Um, and then you're around all these people all the time that are also pushing the boundaries of what's possible for people, your age, quote unquote. Right. Mm-hmm. How does that contribute to your belief in yourself or your thoughts about, I can achieve, I can do this thing because all these other people around me are doing it too. Yeah. Um, I definitely think it, yeah, contributes a lot. I think I've had it on, yeah, on various levels, probably like athletes, my own age at the world cup level, I think are really inspiring and they definitely, they definitely instill some of that in me. Um, I think especially just like in looking at the, the sacrifice side of it, maybe like in seeing that they also don't party until 4am on a regular basis. Or, um, I think for sure they, they inspire me. And I also think in summit County, there's just such a huge group of like parents or people in their mid thirties who have full-time jobs and have kids and all of this stuff going on. And if you saw them in a crowd, or even if you were talking with them, like you would never pick up on how amazing they are. Um, but they're just like incredible athletes and they're maybe not even competing, but they're just so strong and so humble. Um, so I also think that group, especially in Summit County is, is really encouraging and has been a big part of my, my motivation and my own development of self-belief. So I want to, I want to go back, Grace, if you would, with us to the world championships, because I think you had something happen there that you had to overcome, correct? In terms that you had, you, you were penalized time, right? For something. And, and so this is coming, I I know parts of this story and I want you to tell it because I'll screw it up. But um, so just tell us about your world championship experience and maybe we'll go from there. Yeah. So um, actually, so at world championships two years ago, Um, well now it was three years ago, I guess I just, I wasn't all that fast. Um, and then I was penalized at youth Olympics, which was just last year. Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, I think it was, it maybe would have been a little bit less devastating had it been at world championships my first year. Um, because I think I went into that race with no expectations. Like I just wanted to see how I stacked up. 
um, against the Europeans, but then at youth Olympics last year, um, going into that race, I had already, um, stood on the podium at the world cup. Um, and I had already won then a world cup just a few weeks prior. Um, so I definitely, yeah, put a lot of pressure on myself and I felt like people were expecting a lot of me. Um, and I also was just really proud of my race. I, I generally am not that good about coming up from behind. Um, I tend to like being in the front and just holding people off. Um, but that day I really like took a leap with myself on the last climb and I really left it all out there. Um, and I ended up passing three people on the last climb and then I finished in, in third. So I think just like the fact that I was really proud of that race. Um, and I had kind of lived up to the expectation I put on myself, made it really hard to kind of wrap my head around my penalty in the end, but, um, it's a good learning experience. Um, it's definitely made me a little bit better at, yeah, handling, handling it when I fall short of my own expectations. Speak to that a little bit regarding the, the world record attempt. You, you go out a few weeks ago in an attempt to break that 58,000 foot mark to, to set a world record in, in that vertical ascent. And we didn't quite get there, but you still set a North American record and mm -hmm. did something incredible. You know, you spend 24 hours skiing. Um, what was that like to, to go out and do that, to have that experience and then to still fall a little bit short of what the desired outcome was? Yeah. Um, honestly, it was an, yeah, it was an amazing experience. I think I was just so overwhelmed with gratitude, like the week leading up to it and during, and the week after, I mean, the community here really, really showed up for me and I had somebody skiing with me at all times. And I just, yeah, I never could have imagined that level of support. And it was amazing being able to, being able to do that and being able to pull the community together, um, for the effort. So, um, yeah, I was really overwhelmed by, by it and just honestly, so grateful. Um, so I think that I probably honestly would, I think I feel the same way I do now, if I would have broken the record, um, think I knew it was a really ambitious goal. Um, and I've never done anything nearly that long. So I had absolutely no idea what to expect. Um, and yeah, I think in, I think in races, it's easy to like, look for little things that you could have done better. And it's easy to be disappointed if you fall short, because you think there's something you could have done better. Um, at least for me, I have that happen frequently, but with the 24 hour attempt, I think I, I really gave it my all. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much laid on the couch for four days after I couldn't eat. I like had to start using an inhaler for the first time in my life. And I think that that was like a really clear sign to me that I, I gave it absolutely everything I had. And so in the end, I, yeah, I think I'm really at peace with the fact that I didn't break the record. And I thought I would be more disappointed if I fell short. And in the end, I'm yeah, mostly just really overwhelmed with gratitude for my community and really happy to have given it my all. And I think Grace, that's, that speaks to a maturity and a mindset that you bring to this, to the table. And, and one of the reasons that we were so interested to talk with you is that it's not about the result, 
right? It's not about getting to 58,000. It's about setting a goal. And I'm going to read, I just have this quote in, uh, from your Instagram and it was before the race. And you said, I'm doing something in a week from now that borders on absolutely terrifying. Okay. But it's exciting to set a goal that I'll have to give everything that I have to even come close to achieving it. I think so many people don't set goals like that, right? They set goals that are maybe a little bit hard for them or probably attainable. Um, but in the end, that goal for you wasn't about, I mean, yes, you wanted to break the record, but when you look back at it, it's like the, the whole point is, can I put myself out there to see what I have to test the limit? And then the chips are going to fall where they fall at the end. Right? Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I think beforehand I had to really come to peace with the fact that it just was going to be what it was going to be. Um, that definitely was the first goal I've set that was that far out there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's understandable that lots of times people maybe shy away from, from doing that. It's definitely scary to set goals that you're pretty likely not to achieve. Um, and I definitely think I struggled with that. I think it would have been really easy for me to just go out and ski for 24 hours, mostly on my own and, if I did well, I could have shared it on social media. And if I didn't break the record, then nobody had to even know that I went for it. Um, but yeah, I think setting really big, big goals pushes us to be a lot better than, than just setting goals that we're likely to achieve. What an amazing perspective, right? And I, and I said this to John right before you came on is, I don't think you can achieve the types of things that we're talking about in any sport, in anything without having this amazing perspective that it's kind of all a gift, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's all a gift that is not guaranteed tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And where did that come from? How did you, how have you instilled that kind of process? Because you talk about, I could have gone and done it and nobody could have known. And it wouldn't have been the risk that we're talking about because my community went to showed up and all these sort of things like, mm -hmm. but you said, no, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to put myself out there because I know that there's going to be some accountability in it and all these other things, but where does that come from? Where does that perspective, that maturity come from? Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is probably just that I have really great, great role models. I think I, I have a lot of really strong women, well, and men in my life who I, who I look up to and who I have seen go out and do really big things, um, and handle their own failures with grace. Um, yeah. And I think maybe that's even the bigger part of it. Like I think seeing, seeing people I look up to fail in goals they set and handle them so humbly and yeah, grow from it and not, yeah, not like wallow in it. Um, I think that really helped helped me just in seeing that, like, even if I didn't achieve, I was going to be totally fine. Um, because I think we all see people who, who do achieve big goals. And I think we all would like to know what that feels like, but I think maybe we don't always see people failing. Um, and so I think lots of times, at least personally, lots of times I've been, been afraid of that just because I'm afraid of disappointing myself or afraid of disappointing others. And I think seeing people you look up to fall short of their own goals um, and just go on with life is, is helpful. Um, Cause yeah, we don't, 
we don't achieve everything we set out to do. And in the end, life goes on and hopefully we grow from it. Well, and some people try to fake it, right? And say, I mean, you're, you're talking about people seeing people fail and them either acknowledging it or allowing you to see them in that vulnerable state, right? There's a lot of people that don't even let themselves or they try not to let other people see that. So that's a really cool thing that you have uh, been gifted in your life. I want to go to the, to the record attempt to, I got to imagine there was at least one point where you're like, what am I doing out here? What, what am I trying to like physically, mentally, you know, so take us to that point where it's like, what in the world am I doing right now? And I could quit and I could go home and lay on the couch for the next four days. And I'm still going to be, have accomplished more than most people today, but you continue to go through that. So take us to that moment and maybe what you use to get yourself through that. Yeah. Um, I think the nighttime, like the early night was actually the hardest for me. People had warned me about like the 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. hours. So I didn't really expect myself to have a really tough time before then. Um, But I'm normally up skiing or running around three. So that time of day was actually easier for me. And like 9 to 11 p.m. was really hard for me because I like going to bed early and generally I'm getting in bed at nine. Um, and yeah, at that point I was only halfway done. So I think that was a really daunting thought like, oh, I'm exhausted and I still have to do this a whole nother time. Um, so I would say that was probably the biggest moment I, I questioned what I was doing just because there was still a lot to, a lot to do. Um, but I think just knowing, I think the biggest thing that kept me going was knowing that people were going to be there in the morning to ski with me. Um, and yeah, just knowing that I had, had people coming in the morning, I, I knew that I couldn't quit before they came. And I think quitting was never really an option for me. Like I, I had talked with my parents beforehand and they were like, we want to make sure that if you're really like injured or something, you'll stop. And um, I had pretty much settled on the fact that if I was like seriously injured or I was going to make something worse, I would stop. But short of that, I wasn't going to stop. Um, and I think just deciding that beforehand was really helpful because I, I didn't give myself any outs, um, and neither did anyone else. Like, I think if my crew would have been telling me like, oh, you can stop now at 9 PM, it could have gone awry, but everyone was warned not to give me any outs. And <laughs> that was really helpful. <laughs> this is the second illusion you've made to community. And I watched, uh, so if anybody is still unfamiliar with what Schemo is and wants to get a little check on it, go to your webpage, um, gracedayberg.com and just check out some of your blog posts, but also there's a, a link to a video, which is a documentary about called the sisters of schemo. And in that you have a quote that says having a sense of community makes you a better athlete where you, you talked about having these role models and these people that you look up to demonstrating that willingness to fail, having this community around you that said, you know, like they're going to show up for me at four in the morning and they're going to ski with me. How has that, that feeling of community enabled you to be a better athlete referring to your quote, how does that help you? Yeah. I mean, I really think it's, I would credit it 
in large part to all of my successes. I think that when we have a community that includes people that we look up to and that we train with, um, I think personally, it really helps me hold myself accountable and I want to make myself proud and my family proud, but I also want to make my whole community proud because they're the ones who taught me this sport and who have kept me in this sport. Um, so I think like it plays, plays a big part in my motivation. And I mean, also just the obvious, like my community, I, I have people in summit who I've trained with since I very first started this sport. Um, and I think having, having training partners is so essential, especially training partners who you really get along with well and really look up to. Um, yeah. So I think my, my community is, yeah, part of my motivation and part of like my actual development as an athlete. Can you speak to the dynamic of that a little bit? I think, you know, like as a runner, one of the things that I loved about long runs and I, when I say long runs, I'm like, I'm talking about like six miles, right? I did, I'm not in this 50 mile place where you are. Um, but is that connection, right? That, that place of connection where you're talking about the mm -hmm. things that don't come up randomly, right? What is, what does that dynamic look like when somebody's struggling? How do you, how do you help them? How do they help you? I don't know. I, it's just such a curious thing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I first off would definitely agree. I think I've had some of my favorite conversations in the middle of long skis or long runs, just because I think, yeah, I mean, if you've been skiing for like 12 hours, you're, you don't have much of a filter left anymore. Um, <laughs> And I think that that's the, the important part, because I think then when you, when you do see somebody like at their worst in training, um, I think it brings you really close together. And I think it makes the community feel just so close knit. Like I, I know so many of these people I could go to with, with any issue and they would be more than happy to help me. And they would be there to support me in any way they can. Um, just because I think it's hard, it's hard not to be that close if you're used to supporting people in really tough moments athletically you get used to doing that in life too so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump back into the, the eating disorder conversation because i think there's just a, a good segue in there is you talk about that now that it's easy to go to them it's easy to see them at their worst like why because you said you had you struggled with it for three years right like that was yeah. a process like where in there did it feel like you couldn't go to someone um, it was a fairly large chunk of that time. Um, yeah. I was really grateful. I still am really grateful that I first struggled with my eating disorder when I was a kid, because my parents were the ones who put me in, in treatment. Um, I didn't really open up about it. Um, there were very few people who, who knew about it and we were still living in Denver at the time. Um, so it was, it was a slightly different community. Um, and then the, yeah. So then we moved up here and the first, I guess, two years that we were living up here, I was still in recovery. Um, and so it definitely took me a long time to open up about it. And yeah, honestly, I didn't really speak with people about it while I was still, while I was still struggling with it. It wasn't really until afterwards that I felt comfortable opening up about it, which looking back is a shame because I know that if I would have told anyone, um, in the community up here, they would have 
yeah, supported me however they could have, but I think that was hard for me to see in the moment. No question. Sorry, John, you can go ahead if you have something. I feel like I didn't monopolize the last 10 minutes. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's usually, it's our usual dynamic, Grace. It's, I have a few questions and Jamie has a lot of questions, but. It's perfect. Uh, oh yeah, no, thank you. Um, Grace, I, I, I can't tell you, I started the, the interview or the conversation telling you how inspired we are by you. And I, I, I'm even more impressed having gotten to talk to you and, to, to hear you speak to the skills that you have, the experiences, and, and then to give credit a large part to community and people around you. And I think it's an incredible example. I'm excited to, to share your story. We're super big fans of yours now, and we wish you the best of luck in, in the next, when's the next race or the next event or the next thing. I'm not actually racing until the first week of August. So I have a lot of time to just train now. What does that look like? What's your, what's your time commitment day to day? Or are you kind of in an, uh, more of an ebb state right now? Cause you just came off of quite a bit of competition or. Yeah. So the past two weeks I've done like a little off season, if you will, I just trained when it, yeah, I did what I wanted to. I didn't have structured training. Um, and then throughout the summer, um, I, block my training weekly. Um, so normally I do like 25 to 30 hours of training in a week. Um, and it's yeah, pretty consistent throughout the summer. So it's definitely a big time commitment, but I mean, I would count myself as very lucky to just be able to run and bike all day in the summer. So definitely not complaining. Well, I think the, and the, the last thing I want to finish with is, so our tagline is live eyes up and eyes up mindset. And, and I, I told you, it's a little bit about overcoming barriers, not get, having excuses, focusing on growth rather than outcomes. Um, and the quote from you, and I just like, it almost brings me to tears, Grace, and it's on your Instagram. It says all that's left to do. And this was prior. All that's left to do is go uphill relatively fast for a pretty long time, which I think is pretty relative, but um, I'm going to do the best that I can with a smile, with a full heart, because most of this effort reminds me of the privilege that I have to move through the mountains and the wonderful people the sport has brought into my life. That is an incredible statement by someone who, again, is so impressive. Grace, thank you for giving us your time and, and sharing your story with us. Of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks again to Grace for joining us and sharing her story, her tools, her wisdom, her perspective, Jamie perspective is something that kind of kept coming up over and over and over. We talk about being able to zoom in and zoom out and, and see the whole picture and things. And boy, I don't, I don't remember an interview we've done lately that made me think and feel the way that, that she just did. Yeah. And honestly, that zoom in perspective, right? That I'm doing this task that may challenge me to a level that I've never felt before and being aware of that, right? Knowing fully well yourself to the level where you can say, this thing is going to stress me in a way that I can't fathom, but I'm still going to walk through the door. And then to be when it's done to zoom out enough to say, you know what? I don't really care that much that I fell short 
but I'm so grateful for the people that showed up for me and for the opportunity to do this thing, which when you say that, like that, it's an opportunity to push yourself to a place where you now have to use an inhaler for the first time in your life. Like you stress your body to that level is perspective in and of itself. Yeah. Well, and how many of us go through life and we don't think of going to work as an opportunity to measure our output, our effort, right. And, 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 and yes, we do in terms of making money and impacting people's lives sometimes, but like, man, being grateful for, I mean, she talks about joy and the suffering, which doesn't always have to be suffering, right? It doesn't always have to be physical pain, but find joy, be grateful for the opportunity that you have to, to go out and do whatever it is that you do. Right. Makes, we were talking beforehand because when we were researching, it just made us think of our head football coach. He tells a story about his dad growing up in Chicago. And he said, you know, happy as a man with a grateful heart is something that is in, you know, just emblazoned in our souls from that experience. But he talked about his dad going to McDonald's and being like the most excited person about ordering a Big Mac. Like, man, I can't wait to get this Big Mac, you know? And it's like, it's, it's a Big Mac. You can get one on every corner in every major city everywhere. And he was so grateful for that little thing. And that, you know, that was how I felt talking with Grace was she's just like, man, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Well, and I get to see a sunset. I get to see a sunrise. Like I get to see these things in places that I just wouldn't have been if I'd have taken the chairlift. Right. And I, I think that that is the challenge for me from her conversation is what things do we take for granted? It doesn't have to be the suffering, right? When we, I mean, the other takeaway is when you push yourself to suffering, you find things, right? You find mm. things to be grateful for. You find things to notice that you didn't notice before. Like it takes away the blinders and it, and it makes us focus in. And one of the things that comes of it is incredible gratitude, but like, where are we ignoring these places that could be huge blessings in our life, huge benefits to our life. And how do we take control of those things? How do we, or give up control of those things? It might be different for each one of us, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. Do us a favor, spread the word, give it to somebody that you care about because this message from grace today is powerful and it could change someone's life. It can change your life. Jamie, the last thing, you know, one of the last things she told me or she said was, I, I just wanted to be proud of the race. Like the outcome didn't really matter. I was at the end of the day, I was proud of the race that I ran. What if that's how we lived every day? At the end of the day, you could say, man, I was proud of the life that I lived today. I was proud of the race today. And as always, live eyes up. <laughs>